Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome episode 61. Wow, we're moving our way up. 61 yep. episodes. Do you know we had a podcast, Paco? Found that about a uh, text message three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I texted him, I go, hey, bro, you know we had a podcast? Do you want to be on it? Yep, <laughs> I'm in. Yep. I'm in. So, we got my boy, one of my good friends on today. Pretty cool, pretty cool dude. Uh, Paco Rodriguez. Yes, sir. Paco Rodriguez. Okay. Um, so yeah, who are you? What do you do? So uh, my name is Paco Rodriguez. I am a former Major League Baseball player. Played for about eight years total, three and a half in the big leagues um, with the Dodgers and the Braves, and then was with the Orioles, the Twins, and San Diego to finish my career. And now I have a youth baseball club team. You know, started building that, started giving back to the youth, and so I think that's where. Where everything kind of fell into place and how i met dj so that's where our story begins it's awesome yeah i mean it's pretty cool to see you know our relationship grow right and through baseball just like how much stuff we have in common how we think and you know and it's just like man like i want to be a part you know of what he's doing and yeah as well as you want to be a part of what we're doing right and just like the commonality of you know what we share like my son plays in your organization and you know, like that's a big topic I want to talk about today too. Is you know that youth, the youth side. But let's talk about your playing career first. What did you miss out when you played, mm-hmm. right? With like, what what were your underlying factors of? I know you felt dealt with some injuries, kind of got you out of the league yep. pretty quick, right? Um, first of all, where did you go to school? Where are you from? Yep. So so I'll just give you a quick breakdown. So born and raised in Miami. Um, went to you know high school. Went, went to everything kind of started going. You know, played club ball as I was growing up. And then went to uh, Gulliver Prep down in Miami. They've had a bunch of guys come out of there um, in the past like 10, 15 years or so. But um, but yeah, that's where my career kind of kind of kind of started shooting up. And um, eventually, I played in summer ball with uh, the All American prospects back in the day. They were a big uh, program, uh, South Florida program. That kind of got me established within understanding what I needed to do to become you know just a college prospect at that time. I think that was. Uh, when I finally started, you know, putting my time and effort into my throwing side, you know, I think that was the first time that I had lessons, first time that, that I really started to to pay attention to that side of things because everybody was always like, oh, you're going to be a great pitcher one day. And I'm like, well, started seeing results and little by little, I, I started to pay attention a little bit to it. So then after that, I uh, got recruited by, you know, a bunch of schools or whatnot, but made my decision to go to Florida just because I felt it was far enough for my mom to get away. I think that was the biggest factor, but at the same time, close enough that I could go home whenever I needed some, some, you know, some Cuban spice in my life, which was good. Um, yeah, I built my career there. And I think after my freshman year was, I think the the biggest eye opener for me, um, you know, having a conversation with Sully, Craig and Brad back in the day, those are my coaches over there at the time. Um, they sat down, you know, at the end of the year, you always have your end of the year meeting, sat me down and they're like, Hey, like, do you know what you did this year, you know, from the numbers that you kind of put up? And I think that was the first time that I really started to, like, understand, like, I could be pretty good at this. I think that was the first, like, eye-opener. He's like, look at these numbers. They put numbers next to me. He's like, this is what you did this year. And this is what a big leaguer is doing right now. And I'm like, and your numbers blow every single one of them. You know, you have the green and reds, and I was on the green side didn't know what it meant you know at the end of the day they had all the numbers up there but it was like dude like this is what you did and you were just messing around half the time like i think that was the biggest thing that i took out of it my freshman year you know having a great time in college like anything else everybody's going to go through that time but i think that was the first eye opener of like where i can get to and where what i can be you know so i think that was the 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 moment that changed for me you know uh, just in the standpoint of making this into a job was that was the first time that i really understood like man, I could have a lot of fun playing baseball and just being really good at it. You know, I think that was the biggest change or so. From then, uh, you know, went through my sophomore, junior year, got drafted my junior year in the second round by the Dodgers, um, which was a, you know, three-month period of just swiveling my whole life. Because you think about it, I go from college, get drafted, sign two weeks later, going to – Yeah, I got shipped out to Arizona, came out here. This is probably my first time that I had ever come out here. Um, spent about a week, you know, just going through the process, going through my physicals, uh, you know, throwing my first two pens, went through that. They shipped me out, um, went to, uh, low A and Midland, Michigan. And from there, everything started to just take off, man. Came out my first, you know, I think it was my first six innings. I might've given up two hits, 
was just doing the same thing, you know, just same approach, the same mindset, same everything. And at the at the end of the day, I was in a pro setting where my adrenaline was over the roof at the time, you know. So I was just going out there, throwing it and doing doing really good, you know. So one thing leads to another. I got shipped out to double A, get to double A, pitch about 19 innings there. I stayed about, you know, a good chunk of, of the rest of the year with them and gave up one run. Billy Hamilton was the one that got on. Stole two bases, <laughs> almost stole the hold on me. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was it was super funny in that extent because I was uh, it was it was like, dude, just throw him a fastball. If he gets a hit, gets a hit. But I walked him, of course, you know. So, but whatever. Regardless of the matter, got to that point. Next thing you know, I get a phone call. Hey, you're going up to the big leagues, um, and it was just a surreal moment. You know, two two months into into professional baseball, and I got got the call to to go to Dodger Stadium for the first time. And just go through that process and, um, you know, not, not really having an understanding of what pro ball is all about at the end of the day. You know, I jumped through the ranks and did everything that I was supposed to do, but really didn't understand the grinds. I was just playing ball at the time. You know, it was like, oh, I'm playing baseball. Cool. You know, like, great thing for me. And, um, you know, just, just the, the phone calls from mom and dad, you know, and, and going through, through that whole emotional uh, standpoint of giving them the happiness and me crying through the whole entire conversation it's like, hey, I'm going up to the big leagues, you know. So I think that that period of time was just so intense and so so many things going on at the same time that you know you 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 the path is is crazy, you know. To to that extent, it was crazy to make it as fast as you did, as fast as I did, you know. And at the end of the day, you you uh, it's it's a period of time. You think about it; it was two and a half months. It was it was just crazy for me to to a dream that you've always worked so hard for come at such a rapid pace within that short period of time, you know, and not understanding how good I was. Like, that's what I didn't see at the time. You know, I was going uh, go back to my freshman year. I didn't you see that. that. Made you made you a better player by not knowing yeah. you were good? Yeah. I think that was, that was something I was always, uh, you know, my, my dad was always like, Hey dude, like this game is always going to humble you one way or another. Like if you're not willing to work at it, if you're not willing to put in the time, you're not going to, you're not going to become what you want to become, you know? And at the end of the day, you might not even make it. So I think the, the mindset that that life gave me within that, you know, and the way that I grew up, you know, coming from a from a family that that you know at the end of the day they came from Cuba, came with nothing, try to figure it out and be raised in that environment and and understand that you got to work for everything you have. Kind of put me in that situation where I jumped those ranks because I was on the ground. There was nothing else I cared about but no just playing option. ball. Yeah, man, there was no other option but just go play, go play and be really good at it and, and work your butt off. And that's the only thing that I knew. So, you know, you finally make that jump. You get there, and then at the same time, I start creating success. You know, I, the one outing leads to the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And the next thing you know, I finish off my year, and I had a a, a one four, I think, in the big leagues. Uh, my minor leagues, it was kind of the same same thing, same deal. I think it was a one nine in, in the overall, and the, I think it was twenty one innings I threw in total. And you look at you you look at that whole entire process, and it's like at the end of the year, I didn't even know how to react. You know, when I got done, you know, we we lost. I think it was uh, we were a game and a half out and we lost the second to last game of the season to put us out of, of contention. And you see, you see, you know, you go down the line, they put me next to uh, um, Josh Beckett and Matt Kemp were my two, were my two um, locker mates at the time, you know, it was, it was, it was surreal. Surreal. You walk into some, into a setting and I'm watching a guy that I watched him pitch in the, for the Marlins, you know, I followed the Marlins my whole entire life. And I'm sitting right next to this guy that I watched yeah, pitch Josh in the Becky, world. Yeah, yeah, Josh Packer. World Series for you guys. Yeah, man. And it was just like being in that surrounding. It was, it was just, I uh, you couldn't, you couldn't put it into words at the time. You know, it was just you were going, you're going through those emotions and just still trying to hold yourself accountable for everything that you do. And then at the same time, you have Kirsch coming out on a on a full sweat. When I'm getting there, like I don't know, eight hours before the game, I got there. I didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go. And you first thing you do, hey, come come say hi to the to strength and conditioning. Kirsch is coming out full sway. Hey, what's going on, bud? How you doing? You're the new lefty, right? Yep, yes, sir. Whatever you need me to do, I got it. You know, like it's just the way it went, man. And it was, um, you know, you you look back and it's it's a it's a moment that you you don't forget, but at the same time you don't even remember some of the parts, you know, because yeah. it was so it was so in the moment that unbelievable, unbelievable experience and. Just a fun ride. And then from then on out, you know, went through spring training, uh, 2013, 2013, made the club, um, went out and put, I think that was my best year, I think, ever, you know, just playing playing baseball. I think it was 76 appearances, put up a 2-3, I think it was, and 
was just in every game. Every game I had an opportunity to come in, whether it was a fifth, whether it was a ninth, whether I was uh, uh, closing out an inning, going an inning and a half, two innings, whatever it was, I was I was Mr. Utility uh, coming out of the pen. So, um, and the you know you look at you you look at that year, and it was the preparation that came behind it. You know, the time that I was willing to put in it was was everything. Um, and I think that got me through that year. Then went into 2014 was had an up down year that year. We had a lot of guys. Um, we had a lot of guys uh, under contract at the time, so it was me and Withrow that kind of bounced back and forth between each other, and uh, went up and down at that time. But you know, still, still successful. You know, it was a little bit harder that year just because at the end of the day, when you're going up and down and you don't know what's going to happen, you get you know your emotions and your your mind is a little off of the main goal. You know, it's just go out there and pitch. So you know, and that's that's a topic that we could always go into at some point. Um, but yeah, from then on out, and then 2015. Pitch 2015, make the club again out of spring training. Had a great spring training um, coming out of the club. And then we were, I was pitching against Colorado. And for the last pitch of the end, I think I struck out Cargo at the time. And I felt my first little my first little something in my elbow. That was the first time that I was like, oh, there's something going on. So that was when that happened. Try to go through the rehab process from there. Um, you know, to got a PRP at the time. Did a whatever they had given me at the time, I think it was like two or three weeks, which I didn't agree with. Yeah. But at the time that was, that was the only thing that I knew. Um, then went through the throwing process, did all that. And through that, through that time, got traded to Atlanta, went to Atlanta. While you're on, on the injury uh, Yeah, so I, when I was on uh, the injury list, I got traded over there. That was with uh, Alex Wood and um, – Avilan at the time that we got traded for it was me and Oliveris. Um, got traded over there, so started you know started to build those relationships over there. Started going through my rehab process, and during that rehab process, felt my elbow again, poof, and finally went to Dr. Andrews, and he's like, "Yeah, you need to get cut up." Got snipped up, and then you know started that whole process, you know. So then from there it was just uh, uh, all of um, that was in 2015. So 2016, I was rehabbing the whole entire time. Went through, you know, just went through rehab uh, for 2016, 2017. Came out of spring, had a few good innings coming out of spring. You know, didn't feel great. My elbow still wasn't there. You know, fully, I felt stuff wise, just wasn't wasn't consistent. But was able to get out, did my thing in spring, and then got cut. You know, I think it was two days before a decision needed to be made, and I got snipped off, and then went home, re finished rehab, and did all that stuff, and then got picked up by the O's, and finally. Uh, Finally, was able to pitch consistently. My stuff wasn't there yet, but I was feeling fine. You know, health-wise, I was good. Uh, finished a year off with them, and then went to the Twins and signed with them that offseason. So that was uh, 2018, and then 2018 played with them um, for that season. My stuff got better. I think that was the, the first time that I started to see myself like where my sharpness started to come back within my my, my arm, and just how everything was kind of playing. Um, I had better outings, had some worse outings. So you, you kind of go off of that. And then when I finished that season, went to sign with San Diego that, that, that next, uh, season and, uh, pitching really well. I was, uh, I got, I was in extended for about, you know, two weeks or so, um, coming out of spring, then was between double A and triple A was just doing a great job. I was, I had about, I think I put up a three after the whole year, uh, pitching wise, I was just doing a great job, you know, just bouncing around, whatever they needed me to do. I was Mr. Swingman, and I was yeah. successful at every job that I got. You know, I just had the had that understanding at that point. It's like, hey, bro, I'm playing ball. You know, like, don't put me out there. Whenever you need me, I'm going out there doing what I got to do. And then, of course, my knee, my knee, um, you know, whatever I did, I teared a little bit of my meniscus at the time. And season was over, and at the same time, it was uh, – it took me – so, you know, once I finished that season, I'm like, if rehab doesn't go great, like, I'm, I got to find something else to do. Just because I felt like I spent so much time in the rehab phase of baseball that, you know, you kind of you kind of lose lose sight in um, how much more I can give to this game, you know. And I kind of felt like that's where I was at in my career. Um, once I went through that rehab process, I went through that, and it took me forever. It took me, like, four months to actually just start feeling normal with my knee. And so I was like, this isn't for me. And that's where my past started to change. COVID happened at the same time during that time, then sat around for a little while um, with the family, just trying to make sure everybody was healthy and, and taken care of. And then from there, came out here, moved out here, 
and just slowly but surely everybody's like you need a coach you need a coach you need a coach and i was like you know what man just just go for it and start figuring it out you know i just started a new journey with uh with the little ones you know at the end of the day i wanted to give back everything that i've done everything that i've learned you know i think my my, my biggest thing was like my son wants to be a part of it if i could have a group of people that that enjoy the way that i go about my business and do the things that i do out on the fields why not teach them you know why not why not give back to those people because at the end of the day it's all about you know creating those relationships and growing amongst the people that, that believe in something, you know, and I think that's the, the, the biggest thing. Finally, you know, we, we've kind of fell into place and started our relationship. And that was the one thing that, that I felt when I walked in through the doors, it was like, man, you're just coming to another place. You're coming into that locker room feeling where it's like, Hey bro, you want to be a part of this, come be a part of it. And we'll, we'll figure it out from there. And I think that's where everything kind of fell into place to where we are now, you know? So there you go. That's my little spiel, bro. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> little awesome. spiel. Ten minute, ten minute spiel yeah, right no, there. That's what yeah. I wanted, man. Like yeah. touching on points, like go back to your playing career now, and we'll obviously progress into, you know, what we're doing youth on the youth side of things, right? But with your playing career, like, what do you think you could have done different in the off seasons where you could have felt better, right? I know we talk about this pretty mm -hmm. often. Like we've had multiple conversations about it. Um, where do you, what do you think was the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, what, I, what did you do during that yeah, rehab for the sure. season? Who did you work like? You don't want to say who you work with, yeah. like the kind of the concept of what you're doing. Yeah. So, so within, within the group of people, I mean, we had, a, we had a good group of people, Manny, it was Manny, Yonder, John Jay, myself, Alex Castellano, that was a, a big league minor league guy at the time, Steven Perez. We had a bunch of guys, you know, just Miami guys that, that kind of grew up there. We all used to go to uh, UM and work out together. And um, the team over there at the time set up, you know, a program for us um, that, you know, we enjoyed. At the end of the day, we enjoyed it. We, we did work hard. Um, I think we worked too hard at times. You know, you look back and you, we might have done too much. You know, we spent – we would go through our, our stretch routine. After the stretch routine, we're going into our running. We will do running every day. We did different types of running um, between um, sand pit – um, long sprints, we do 120 yard sprints. Then we would do a light day where it was just a, a simple Indian run jog, you know, stretch type of deal. And we would do stadiums um, another day and, you know, just put it all on the clock. So we went through that process. That would take us about 45 to an hour at the time and take a quick break. We had a, a, we had our, our food, snacks or whatever. We had a snack and then we got into the gym and started working out. Long days. Long days. Yeah, yeah. We would, we would spend... I would say we would spend at the gym between the gym, just in that whole entire process, probably three hours, you know, of training. It was yeah. just training for a straight three hours. We were training. The workload was pretty high, or do you think it was? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. Um, I think that was the one. I didn't know any better at the time, and I was okay with it. We worked hard. We we, we put in the time and the effort no for bullshit. it. Yeah, there was no bullshit within it. We were, everybody was big, strong, fast. You know, we we did get get what was understood at the time you know i think that was the biggest thing is like hey we're grinding we're putting in the time we're putting in the effort we're strong you know but um you look back at it and from everything that that you know i've, I've started to learn along the ways i think it was that that the the fine tuning within the balance that we were trying to create was a lot different um in the sense of how we trained to what we were actually doing as professionals you know within sports and I think that was the biggest thing. You know, you had a, the, the strength and conditioning uh, people there had a track and football background. Yeah. So we trained like football players. We look back at it, and I was, I was putting up weight. I was super strong, but I wasn't flexible to a certain extent, you know. So that's where I think the, the – I always look back at that, and you look at my numbers, and my numbers at the beginning of the first half of the season, I'm dominating. There was, there was nobody else stopping me, but I would hit a wall. At some point, I would hit a wall. And it wasn't mentally. It was my knee issue pop up. Things, pop up. yeah, things, things would just start like affecting me to a certain extent where it would take me longer to bounce back. It would take me. It would. Um, um, my stuff wasn't as sharp. I was starting to get fatigued to a certain extent, you know. And it was, it was a why behind it. I didn't understand it at the time, you know. And I, and I would always talk to talk to the guys uh, uh, with the Dodgers. Um, B Max still there, Stoney still there, Trav still there, all the guys are still there, and I was always trying to figure out the why I wasn't where I needed to be, and it could have been within the process of how I trained to get to that point, you know. And that was always the the fine tuning behind it. They're like, they're like, bro, you work hard. You guys work hard. You guys work hard, but it wasn't it wasn't what needed what I needed specifically compared to what um, 
you know, Yonder may have needed or Manny may have needed or Steve may have needed. Yeah. It was a bunch of different players. You know, we were different guys at the end of the Catchers, day. Outfielders. Yeah, we had uh, Eddie Rodriguez. He's um, he's uh, the catching coordinator for them over there now. And we're just different guys. Yeah. Everybody everybody had different jobs within the game, you know, and, and, and training to that extent was the one thing we didn't do. You know, the specialized part of it, um, we didn't have. We didn't have as a group. You know, we just went about our workout and we grinded and we figured it out and – um, I think within that time, I think that's what of may have led to me getting injured or me fatiguing or me starting to compensate on one side or another within my body. Because at the end of the day, um, I was training in a way that I might have not needed to train during the season. You know, I didn't understand the workload. I didn't understand what I needed to do, um, you know, within within the eight months of the season. I, I didn't have a broken down system. I was just like, I'm going to go work out because I need to do something. What was your throwing program like during the offseason? I think I did I, I did a pretty good job, you know, just from what I knew back then. Um and well, from what I've known, because at the end of the day, you guys have that have have a little bit different perspective on it. But at the time it was, you know, during my offseason, we would train for the first month. We'd always start like like right at, uh right around uh mid-October is when we would start that first phase. So we would go through that that very um I don't know what to call it, but it was Four sets of five, you know, minimal weight, but very slow reps up and down. Yeah. I don't know what the eccentrics, I mean, yeah. eccentrics. So we would work on eccentrics. We would start that process. It was about three weeks that we would do that. But into that, into that first phase, and then into the second one, which was which was uh, um, what's this called? Just fifteen reps, whatever. I don't know. We would go through that. So it was our workout standpoint. I didn't like working out during that time because that's when I got most fatigued. So I didn't like throwing at that yeah. time. But it was uh, lightweight, lightweight, a lot of reps. That's what we did. While you're ramping up for throwing. Yes, while I was getting ready to throw. So yeah, <laughs> there you go, whatever. So, but and I didn't, and I didn't like, I didn't like how I felt when I would throw during that time. So I would wait until just about, like right after Thanksgiving. Everybody, yeah. that's kind of where everybody kind of gets ramping up. So I would wait until after that, and then within everything that we did i would go out earlier so i would probably get to get we would start at eight so i would get there around 6 30 stretch out play catch and then go about go about it uh from there and i would always start you know between 60 and 75 feet start that process nice and easy just slowly but surely working your way back um i was the type of guy that i no matter what i always wanted somebody to get down i threw a few down whether it was high intent low intent didn't matter just a little flat ground yeah because i want the way that i understood it was i gotta find the way to get on top of the ball so that was my always my thing regardless of how much i threw or how my intent was i always finished with the flat ground but yeah we would start at that 75 mark do that for about two weeks go to 90 start you know nice and easy same thing and we would expand it out and then i would start bring it back to 90 after I get to like 120 or so, bring it back and then starting getting into January is when I would start putting it on. We go to 90, 120. What was your strength like during that time when you were ramping up? Like your when we were getting higher fit. intensity. Like so yeah, so December was like a, a hypertrophy or yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah, hypertrophy. So it was uh, my word. <laughs> I can never get it right. Because just uh, just leave it at that. I know what it is. Oh man. Uh, but that was the time that we would start ramping up. So you think about it, it was eight to six reps um, within every exercise that we did, whatever it was that they had put together for us. But it was uh, kind of based off of that. And, um, yeah, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so from there, it was that was like during that time. And then we would, you know, just between the ramping up throwing-wise and then at the same time lifting-wise, we would be getting to strength. At the end of it, so it would be from six four two one one one. You know, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. go about that phase, and we would be getting into February would be when we would be getting done, and then from there, start getting into season mode and whatever it was that I did at the time. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing with us is like whatever you're doing on the mound or in the weight room is dictated by what you're doing on the mound. Yeah. Right. So our throwing program needs to match our strength program. Yeah. The biggest thing we see issues with is guys not properly programming that mm-hmm. where it's like hey we're gonna hit strength and all this stuff higher reps or whatever endurance programming whatever it's going to be while you're in a different phase of throwing right yeah. your high output throwing needs to be high output in the gym where that's power phases right mm-hmm. so our power phases are high high effort sprints and velocity based tools like our trap bar speeds and lighter weight pa- passer movements 
plus reps, mm -hmm. you know, that's just going to conserve the body. Yep. You know, that's kind of where I see baseball training go wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's something you've said to me, right? It's like, man, this is way different than what I've done. Yep. You know, and that's kind of what opened my eyes. Like, damn, like people out there still, you know, are doing this, which is fine. But, you know, there's, you know, more than one way to skin a cat, right? Yep. But I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying that person's wrong, mm -hmm. but it's just like it's hard to to believe that like people don't understand that to blend the two together, right? Movement quality on the mound and movement quality in the weight room need to meet each other and be comprehensive. If that yes. makes sense. Yes, and that's and that I think that's the 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 biggest biggest thing that I didn't understand at the time. You know, you look back, you you look back and tell me if I would have had just a better preparation and understanding of how I needed to go about my business within the whole entire process of the year, yeah. I probably would have put myself in a healthier position to create success yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, you can't point fingers. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 I'm never, and I'm never going to point fingers. No. There's no, there's no pointing fingers to that extent. No. But what I'm saying is it's like within me as a, as an individual, if I would have, if I would have understood things a little bit better, I probably would have planned a little bit better for myself yeah. to create, you know, the longevity at the end of the day. I'm like, I didn't get longevity. I knew that I had bad knees. Genetically, I, my, my, all my, my, you go to that side of the family, everybody's got knee replacements. But how could I have kept my knees healthier to let my arm work better, right? Yeah. To move better, to, to, yeah. to yeah. have, to have. Increasing oh, running yeah. capacity. Like you're a pitcher, you don't run the ball across the plate. Yeah. You know? You know? Like, so those, those were the <laughs> things that I really couldn't understand at the yeah. time. So I was just going off of whatever people told me, what I whatever they believed in. I'm like, bro, they, they, they did this for a long time. Like, of course I'm going to believe them. They got a bunch of big leaguers here working out. It's not like they didn't yep. have success with some people, you know? Exactly. And, and at the end of the day, that's it. And I'm going to follow that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a person that it's like, Hey, we're going to do something. Let's go about it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you everything that I got. And that's just the way that I knew, you know? So at the end of the day, that's the only way that I could approach everything. But at the end of the day, was it what I needed at the time? Probably not. Probably not, and that I think was the 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 biggest um, regret that I had that I didn't have enough info for myself to really prepare the way that I needed to prepare yeah. for who I was as an athlete at yeah. the end of the day. And now that's, you're able to bring that to the youth side. Yeah, right? and that's and that's what that's where the next topic is is uh, tying it together. Right? Is that's putting and putting it all together. It's like it's like now now I'm at a point where I, I started this. You know, I started this because my son was getting involved and because I enjoyed it. But you start seeing what's out there, and it's like, holy we're, shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting to a point now where it's like people have the completely wrong aspect of what actual training is, right? And and the the year development, you know, you put the quote out that we had talked about, where it's like year long development isn't year long playing time. Like you, like you don't need to play all year for your kid to get better at baseball. They need, they need. A specific time of the year where they're going to go grind, where they're going to go play hard, where they're going to go do their thing. But in between all that, there's a progression that needs to be taken for them to start creating success and at the same time stay healthy. Yep. How many kids, when I mean, we had the conversation the other day, how many kids go through growth plates? My son went through a growth plate thing, yep. right? I might have had, and I try to take care of my son as best as I could. It's my son. At the end of the day, I'm going to do what's best for him. But to the extent of the knowledge that we need to have behind it, I might have not had it. So you know what? At the end of the day, those are the things that we're trying to avoid. And those are the conversations that we're trying to that, that we're we're trying to avoid and trying to teach at the same time for the parents. I think that's the biggest thing that we've talked about since the beginning. It's like we're gonna put this together because we need parents to understand what we're doing and how we're doing it. And at the end of the day, if something happens, they know how to approach it. We have because, a team for them. Yeah, we have we, we and that's and that was the, the, the biggest thing. It's like we need we need to change, we need to change the game to that extent because. If you guys, if the parents nowadays is like, you're going to be a baseball player, you're going to stick to a baseball player, good. That's fine. I'm okay with it. That's what you want for be your a baseball kids. player you're around, but do other shit. Yeah, but do other things. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. We're going to set up a program where it's going to be balanced out for a baseball player. Understand, they're still kids. Like, we, we got to have that fine balance, man. Like, they, they, at the end of the day, at the end of the day there, there's so much of kids falling out of baseball that should never be have fallen out of baseball. I have friends that I look back at and I'm like, they should have been in the game for a lot longer, but it's because they got burnt out to an extent. And they, it might've been because they played too much. It might've been because they put, they got too much pressure from one side or another. And it's like, but at the end of the day, you look at all those things and it's insecurities to the lack of knowledge that you have within each topic or each aspect of life, you know, at the end of the day. And that's what happens to and, parents. And also you're also handcuffed too, right? Where you're yeah. only, you have, you know, what, two, three good coaches in your organization. Mm -hmm. After that, it's like dad's 
bless their hearts are helping, but they don't really know yeah. a whole lot. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's when you are able to bring in people to help or, you know, like, how do you, how do you manage that? Right. As mm -hmm. the organizer of, of the program, like, how do you facilitate like, Hey, this, you know, I gotta, I can trust this dad to do this, but yeah. like, no more. Right. Yeah. I mean, how are you monitoring kids' workloads with parents like that? Right? Yeah. And they think they're kids and, and, and at the end of the day, star. yeah. You know and, I mean? and at the end of the day, it's it's they're not doing bad by it, but at the end of the no. day, are they giving the right information that's actually going to be useful for the individual? No. Right? Yeah, it's it, and it happens all the time, and it's like it's like they're giving them the wrong message, and at the end of the day, it's that's the biggest issue within within uh, youth baseball nowadays. You have too much of that going on. With not uh, understanding of what you actually need to do, yeah. I, I had a conversation yesterday with a mom that wants to get her kid back to playing. He's a freshman in high school, by the way. <laughs> Hasn't played in a while. Hasn't played in a while because he had a he had a growth plate situation in his arm, and she's like, "Oh, he." I, I told the coach he's going to be ready in two weeks, and I looked at her, and my <laughs> eyes were like, "Ma'am, I am brutally, brutally sorry, but your kid is not going to be ready to throw." From second base to first base in two weeks, like it's just not okay. Like if that's what, if you think that's okay, then that's what you read, then you're you're not reading in the right places. I, I'm sorry, and this is a perfect example of what we're trying to avoid. We're, we're we're trying to we're gonna grab kids moving forward that parents are understanding about the process that we're trying to create and giving them the education because at the end of the day, it's as a group you gotta have that within a group of people. You have to have it because then they're going to trust the process and they're going to trust that there's going to be certain times where the kid should just be a kid. Go play football. Go play basketball. Go play soccer. Go, I don't know, go, 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 play, go play chess. You know, you want to go play chess. You want to move those little things. Just That's fine by me. Play on the playground. Yeah, just go play, man. You know? Take them out to the ocean. Let them swim around. I don't know, whatever. But let them, let them just be kids because at the end of the day, they don't understand that those things that they're doing, my kid wants to go surfing. Yeah, go surfing, dude. Why? Because at the end of the day, you want your kid to be a really good athlete that understand that they're training a different part of their minds to accomplish that specific skill set that's training everything and growing within the natural skill set that they may have. You know, and people don't don't get that standpoint. That's why it's it's good. Like my kid, I put him in football. Why did I put him in football? Because he wanted to try it out. Cool. OK. But you know what I saw? The first thing that I saw my kid coming out of football was his footwork was unbelievable coming out of it. Compared yeah. to how he was yeah. four months ago, and yeah. why? Because he's doing different things, man. He's moving around differently, you know. And, and you see it from from the kids that that do different things on a consistent basis. They just move better. Why? Because they're just trained. They're training different ways up here. Their minds working differently. Their bodies having to accomplish different things that they're not always going to do on the baseball field. Do you do you find that parents listen to you when you tell them this stuff? No, half the time. <laughs> half the time. There's only certain other, right? parents. I think. This won't this won't ever happen to my kid, right? Little Absolutely. Johnny, little Johnny's ten years old. This you know we don't have to worry about it. seven years old, eight years old, nine mm -hmm. years old now. He doesn't need to worry about that. You I'm know? an outsider too. When parents aren't listening to someone who's played in the big leagues mm -hmm. and someone who works with big leaguers every day, I'm sure that's challenging. You know, like how how can we get through? Well, I mean, for example, <laughs> last night at practice, I'm mm -hmm. at Easton's practice, mm -hmm. and I played shortstop at a high level, mm -hmm. right? And I'm coaching the middle infielders. And this dad out of nowhere, don't have a fucking clue who he is, mm -hmm. comes out and walks on the field. I'm frustrated, blah, blah, blah. They need to do better at this. I'm like, bro, like, you're saying stuff these kids don't understand. Like, you don't know who I am or what I'm trying to tell these kids or work with mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And that's teaching them to be athletic, right? Mm -hmm. He's, like, in their ear yelling at them, saying this. Don't look at me. Watch the ball. Listen to what I'm saying. Tell them all this footwork stuff. I'm like, bro, they're seven years old. They're not going to have a clue. What's going on? You know what they need. To, what they need to not be afraid of the ball and just figure exactly. out how to get the ball the to first that base right now. Making the play from yeah, you know, A position to B position. Yeah. That's completely fine by me. You know, no it's, it's, like, but this guy comes on the field. He might know something, but like the way they're delivering the message, and that's the other. That's the other you know, side of it. And confusing, mm -hmm. mind fucking the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's what was happening. Right. You know, and it's like he might be delivering a good message, but like undermining what what I was doing and not. I'm not trying, I don't have an ego by all means. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Like, what do I have to prove? Yeah. You know, um, I'm coaching a seven year old's baseball practice. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is basically babysitting, <laughs> yeah. guys. We're just yeah. trying to put them in a station exactly. where they're they're organized enough to, exactly. to get through the I day, mean, you know? Mind you, you're seven, your team's elite. Yeah. Like, you know that. But, <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're good. Right. But 
there's a way to deliver these messages to these kids, mm-hmm. right? And I had to learn that with Easton last year at 6U, right? First time I ever playing organized baseball, I'm like trying to coach him like I coach Newman when he started short stuff for the Reds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do this, do this, like, it's not going to work. I can't do this. Like, <laughs> he's looking like, what the heck are you talking about? And he just gets frustrated and starts crying. Like, mm-hmm. all right, you're six, bro. Like, yeah. cool. Yeah. You know? So it's like dummy it down to these kids to understand but also doing it in a way where it's assertive, where the parents are going to buy in. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And like last night I got undermined. The person had no idea what I was doing, but did I want to yell at him? Like, that, no, absolutely I, I stepped back. All right. You do you buddy. Yeah. You, know, you do you. And that's the same and, approach that I have. Like I'm, I'm not going to go step into somebody's practice. And if you're the voice, I'm going to let you be the voice. I'm just going to go give tips here and there. Bum, yeah. bum, 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 bum. And if somebody's going to go to that extent, I'm not going to create an, an, no. an environment where I'm going to fight the person because at the end of the day, these kids are already just trying to figure out how to just catch the ball. They, they don't need more right now. They don't need more. So at the end of the day, he's like, all right, bro, just, just keep throwing ground balls because at the end of the day, we see the bigger picture. We understand like how this works. Well, then and the more information you give these kids, the more they turn into robots, right? Yeah. The stiff they get, mm-hmm. they, they are, then they become afraid to make a mistake. And then, you know, once they're afraid to make a mistake, they don't put the effort forward. Mm-hmm. And then they just start stop having fun, period. Yep. That's just the way it is, right? Yep. And the less you coach a, a kid, mm-hmm. the more they're going to self-organize themselves as mm-hmm. an athlete, the more they're going to figure out on their own, you know, like, oh, okay, like they could, I made a mistake. Instead of crying about it, like, I just say, hey, next time, let's work on this. One simple cue, done. Mm-hmm. Right, we're not, and let them move on because because like, and you look at it. So to 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 that conversation right there, and to that topic right there, it's like as a big leaguer, how how simple do things get sometimes? You know, when we're having a conversation. You know, you 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 got guys coming in here, and all you got to do is just hey, just feel this little yep, boom, and it gets them right back locked in yep. to where they where they need to be. Hey, whether it's slide as hard as you can, the outer half, yeah, complain. Like and simple things. Simple. Tell a kid to throw the ball hard. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're gonna do that. Yeah. We're gonna tell, hey, have, have fun. Try to see how hard you can throw the it. The only option right? to do it that age is throw the ball hard. Yeah. Don't cue this. Yeah. Don't cue. You can't see me on a podcast. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, like what's this position called? Uh, whatever. W. Goalpost. Whatever. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like W. Like hand back. You know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff is already like flicking the wrist. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like. You know, there's a time and place for things, but like the way I've learned to coach my kids, granted, they're not the best players in the world, mm-hmm. but throw the ball as hard as you can mm-hmm. and swing under control with, with intent. Yeah. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. You yeah, know, they're gonna get in positions naturally to to uh to have success. And I think that's that's another topic that we could eventually get into. Like everything that I have learned, it's you know, you, you look back at it and it's like, I did certain things. I teach a certain way sometimes because I might, it might help a kid yeah. try to figure out what, what they need to feel, whatever. But I'm always, all I ever talk about is feel, right? Do you feel everything kind of working together, right? That's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that I always talk about. It's like, is your body moving the way that it needs to move? Like, do you feel like what's going on? Because at the end of the day, that's what I want them to understand. It's like, dude, you got to feel yourself getting it right. Feel yourself. Right. So I think that's the, the, you know, when we talk about that, it's like we got to get to certain points where we got to let kids just have the natural feeling of everything working together. I think that's that's the main well, that's thing. Why. We always we, 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 taught as a robot, yeah. you know, get yeah. to this spot, get here, get there, bump, bump, bump. And you go down and then you tell them, oh, now put it all together. And they're like, yeah, no, they're and, they're, and they're piecing it all the right. Yeah. They're piecing it all together. Yeah. Same thing. I like the, the weight room side of things like for a kid. All you do is teach them how to jump. Teach them how to land and teach them how to go fast and stop. Like, you don't, that's the only cues we'll give them, right? Yeah. Jump on some boxes, you know, jump over a hurdle, mm-hmm. you know, simple things like that. Instead of doing a bunch of stupid ladder drills that to think about, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't transfer, yeah. right? It might warm them up, like if they mess yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's literally what ladder drill is, is exactly. just get, the, get their heart rate up a little exactly. bit and then move exactly. on from that. Yeah. Like, you know, we're teaching foundational movements like crawling, mm-hmm. right? We're teaching them how to crawl, we're teaching them how to, you know, lunge, sprint. You know, even breathe, mm-hmm. right? And so much of that is forgotten. Like now, you're trying to tell a kid to do, I'd be a shortstop and do X, Y, Z. You know, they don't even know how to do a walking lunge properly. Yep. You got, or they, this kid doesn't even know how to tie his shoes, mm-hmm. right? And it happens a lot today too, 
right? Yeah. So I'm saying these it took kids my kid a long time to figure out how to tie his shoes. Well, these kids don't know how to tie their shoes at all, and you're trying to tell them how to do this. Like the fact that he can even catch the ball, flip it the second they can turn two at seven years old. Yeah. And those kids don't know how to tie their shoes. Yeah. Shows you that you're doing something right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And where these kids are mentally, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, and and capability wise. Like, yeah. You always got to take a step back. That's what the biggest thing for me is like, my son doesn't know. Like, the shoe came on time on the field. He's going to ask his coach to tie it for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. What do you mean? I got to call time. I got to yeah. run out there, tie yeah. the shoe. People, you good, bro? All right, yeah. man. How many times do I have to do it? I, yeah. I do that once a day with one of my kids on the, on the tenue yeah. team. It's yeah. like, no, no, can you please tie yeah. your shoes the right way, yeah. bro? Like, I'm tired of tying your yeah. shoes, you know? So it happens. It happens every day. But That's I mean, for sure. How many times during the game you call time? Hey, you got to tie the shoe. You know? What's cool is like you have that much impact on a kid too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the fun part. That's the fun part is we can have such a positive impact Mm -hmm. on the youth level kids, even the high school level kids. We spend more time with these high schoolers than their parents do. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Right. That's for sure. We we spend as much time with our pro guys as their wives do. Yeah. You know, we definitely spend more time with the college kids than their parents do. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, if you think about the impact that we can have on players' lives and how to deliver a message, that's the number one. Piece. That's all I care about at the end of the day, man. Like I tell, I tell my parents, I'm like, bro, my career means nothing nope. because at the end of the day, all I'm doing is just trying to give your kids a little bit of a taste of it to them for them to understand it, to be able to grow within what their plan is, what their life is going to look like. I just want to help them grow into into whatever it is that they want to become. At the end of the day, it's not about baseball. It's not about like, none of that. About life, man. How, how can you become a better person and, and be really good at it? You know, at yeah. the end of the day, be really good at life. Yeah. How are you going to be really good You're at life? You're going to fail in life. Yeah. You're going to fail a lot. A lot. Yeah. I four times and who knows how many yeah. times. You know what I mean? Like, you probably failed more than we had, we've had success. Oh, think about that. Yeah. 100%. But at the end of the day, you look like a successful person, but people don't see those failures. Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. the, way, the way things are. What uh? So what, what are the next steps with uh, – so it's Arizona Aces. Yes. That's Arizona doing. Aces. I call them the Aces because I just wanted to have a bunch of Aces out there. That's there it. You, so, you, know. you got Coffin and Diamondbacks, Marlin team? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I did look at their logo. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, but no, it's just I think I just came up with a name because I'm like, bro, I want to keep it simple. I'm not trying to complicate it. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you always talk about the Ace. Who's your Ace? You know? Yeah. I think we got to make T-shirts, by the way. Yeah. Who's your Ace? We got ours. I, I like uh, that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's why I called them the Aces. So it's the Arizona Aces. Um, yeah, man, so the next step, you know, it was this was kind of a hobby, and now I think it's becoming just a, a full-time thing for me, more in the standpoint of what we're trying to create with you guys. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's blending everything that we're doing on the baseball field to what we're doing in the training, uh, uh, you know, in, in the facility, and just combining everything together to start creating what actually needs to happen for these kids, you know, to eventually create success for themselves as individuals and, within everything that we do, the, the success will come out on the field. You know, I think that's the other thing that, that we see nowadays. I've had I've had kids go out and throw 200 pitches in a weekend, right? And that's embarrassing. Like, if I'm that parent, I'm getting in a fight with you. It is embarrassing to see, to allow, to see parents allow that happen to their kid and not have any, like, recollection of what's actually going on. It's like you're, you're putting your kid in a very, very dangerous position, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, you're just wearing that elbow down more and more and more and more. And they have no idea that it's only going to affect them what could potentially be something for their lives. You know, and I think that's the other thing. It's like there's so many people that want to fight for rings. And I'm like, guys, we're fighting for a $5 ring. Do you really care about that? Yeah, I want my kid to win. Don't get me wrong. I want to teach them how to win. I want to teach them how to fight for it. But if they don't do it together, then there's no point for them to win it. Right? At the end of the day, I can't have a kid pitch. It happened this past weekend. A team from California came, and they threw a kid at us the first game right of the tournament. They did well. We, we competed against the kid. The kid could throw pretty pretty darn well, but he threw about 40, right? We come out the next day. We face him again that next day uh, in the quarterfinal, and we start – they put a pitcher in, and we start smashing. You know, we're, we're finding gaps. The kids are swinging the bat good. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And next thing you know, this kid's warming up to get back into the game. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to ride this kid out. Next thing you know, the kid's back out there for three innings through, I think, about another, I don't know, I would say 50, 50 50-some pitches. So I'm having a kid go back-to-back for three innings at a time. When does a big league ever do that? Ever. 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 If they do that, somebody's getting fired. 
Yep. Think about that. Then you do the playoffs. That's that's yeah. that's absurd. Yeah. That is absurd that you're allowing a kid to do that. And that's what people don't understand. And it's like people are willing to do that. I have a kid catch, catches a whole uh, semifinal game and then pitches a whole entire game. He just threw 250 baseballs. And it happens every weekend. Every weekend. It happens every weekend. And I try to avoid it as best as I can. I try to, yeah. And I try to and I try to manage it as best as possible to that extent. And my kids don't go past 60 pitches within a whole entire weekend. Back to back never happens. If it happens, it's an emergency because there's nothing left that I have in the tank. And I can't put I can't stress on anybody else. But you think about this, I hold my dear life and I put myself in a situation. You're talking so about 60 pitches total within the weekend. The weekend. Yeah, this as a pitcher. throwing 60 in one game and then came back and threw the next game. Yes. This is good training for me, for I have my son. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, you think about that, and it's like, and I have it broken down to that extent, but then as we talk about it, it's like, you don't take into consideration the warm-ups that we have, then the two hours of the game, then the next warm-up that we have, and then the two hours of the game. That's six hours of throwing. We don't even, we don't even, we don't even think about that. Yeah. And they're, what, eight, nine? Eight, younger. nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. They're hitting those growth spurts. Their, their growth plates aren't closed. Their growth right. plates aren't closed. There's huge gaps in there. Yeah. People don't people don't care about that. So that's how, not do, how do we educate the parents on this, right? Like that's and that's and I think that's that's something that we 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 talked about too, just maybe once a month, twice a month. Hey, this is a topic of the week or a topic of the month. These are the two topics of the month. We're gonna go down, we're gonna break it down, sit down with the parents and just give them a give them an hour spiel. We got we gotta go back to to sitting them down in the classroom. Because at the end of the day, they're not willing to listen. Which is happening but, tonight, right? So we're doing we're we're gonna have that tonight. I think this is the first step, you know, for people to start understanding like how we're gonna approach things moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because the goal is is not to, but it's not about it's not about the the success that the kids are creating out in the tournaments that they're that they're getting the five dollar ring. It's a, it's about the progression that they're gonna have when they get to the position to hopefully go to college or hopefully go play pro ball mm-hmm. and be in the right place you know physically mentally understanding like the parents have the understanding everybody within his bubble and that child's bubble mm-hmm. is ready for the next step and can at least approach it in a way where they're creating success for their kid mm-hmm. so right? progress and, is progress yeah man that's and i think and they're i think that's it. they're trying to rush it and that's what, that's what we talked about and once or twice a month we have the parents say we need you all here these are going to be the two dates that you're going to have you guys are going to come you're going to sit and you're going to listen yep. while the kids are getting their stuff done in the gym Right, because at the end of the day, sitting out in the car and messing around on your phone isn't going to do anything for you. Because then you're going to make the mistake of, like this mother did yesterday, having a conversation about a kid's growth plan, and he's gonna, she's gonna have him back in two weeks. To what gut mind? I put, I played, I played catch with the kid for 45 feet, and I made 30 throws, and the kids are like, oh, it's bothering me. Well, no shit, well, no shit, because the lack of knowledge that's going on at home and how they're approaching it moving forward. That's why the kid's been hurt for so long. Well, I mean. How many times, too, have you seen kids, like you do pitching lessons now, like they'll pay you ungodly amounts of money, mm-hmm. but they won't invest in a trainer. For they will not. They will not. They think that the, the, that the throwing lesson is going gonna, gonna to benefit them more than actually a trainer. Yeah. And actually us getting the kids in here, yeah. putting them through an actual workout that's going to be- benefit them within their age groups to help them start progressing within their throwing, within their hitting, within everything that we're trying to accomplish for them. That's what's actually going to make them stronger, which is going to create more success right. because at the end of the day, we're exactly. going to get them to do things the correct way. Well, that's what some of them touch on tonight. It's like I, always, I, I said this a thousand times on the podcast probably. It's like arm strength is built in the weight room. Arm conditioning is built through throwing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, A, you need to have a competent pitching coach mm-hmm. that can monitor your throwing. Yep. B, you need to have a competent strength program that can increase your, your, your strength and stability mm-hmm. that will allow your arm and your shoulder blades and – you know, all those things to work together, mm-hmm. right? So focusing on the strength pattern and stability first is key. Yep. And how many times have you had a kid that can't even barely lift their leg up without falling over? I mean, I had one yesterday. I did a pitching <laughs> lesson yesterday, and, 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 and the kid throws the, ball, throws the ball super hard but has no balance. So and I'm like, first thing we got, we you know, proximal – Proximal stability leads to, you know, yeah, leads, to, leads to what's taking the most attention. Yeah. Proximal instability yeah. leads to distal instability. That's their elbow. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's where, that's where it goes to. And that's, and that's why like we're, we're, I'm to the point now where it's like, look, I know baseball, I know baseball, but do I know the scientific side of it and how to do things? No, I don't. So that's why I, I let people like you take care of that side. And that's where people go wrong. Like, we're non-ego people. I've never been no. an ego person. Why? For what? What, what am I, what am I going to accomplish by, by having an ego? I never played that way. I never wanted to be that way because at the end of the day, 
this isn't about me. This is about the kids. Right. And that's the foundation that we're trying to set. It's like, forget about the money and all that stuff. There's people out there that will sell you on X amount of things. But at the end of the day, the proper way of teaching the kids how to play baseball and how to educate those kids, it's not happening. No, it's not happening. Going off that, there's a facility that I know, I'm not going to obviously say it, but have, have velocity programs, right, where they just launch a velocity program. They don't have any prerequisites going into that velocity program. Mm-hmm. It's gonna You're going to, you know, you're going to lift and you're going to throw, but it's only for a month or two, two months, right? So you're thinking about on-ramping these kids with, and on strength and throwing and all this stuff within a two-month span in the off-season. They probably average, like, seven to nine TJs per session, right? Mm-hmm. And people continue to pay them, right? Yeah, and that's and that's my... But because, you know, they do have guys that throw harder. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. No shit, you look... I can grab a, I can grab, I can go grab a med ball right now and just start throwing the piss out of grab a regular baseball. Yeah, my velo is going to be up. What, what do you yeah, think is going to happen? Exactly. Or you have a high schooler look at a weight with high testosterone. It's free testosterone yeah. in their body, right? So there's a look at the weight and get stronger. Yeah. You know? It's confusing too for the parents because they call and they're like, oh, "What can I do for one month to yeah. get my velo up?" You get one, you get one month, and, of, and that's you know, where that's where you're like, "That's, well, that's really a okay." Yeah. That's but that's my problem. There's people out there that all they post about is, "Oh, look at my kid. He went from 47 to 51 in um, three weeks." Do you think that's actually quality work? No, it's absolutely not quality work because all they're doing is gripping and ripping, yeah. and then next thing you know. Just give them a couple of weeks. Give them a couple of weeks. Let them go pitch out in a game. Let them get into that get get into that fatigue stage of of throwing right those high intent throws where he's really got to fight for it in an intense yeah. situation. What's gonna happen? If you something's gonna go. If, something's if gonna go. If you're a parent, I'm not just saying this because like, I control both throwing, hitting, lifting, all that team mm-hmm. stuff with you. If you have a hundred dollars, invest all a hundred dollars into a strength conditioning program. Yep. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. At that age, mm-hmm. right? It's, you'll, you'll be amazed what happens on the mound for a 9, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Just by proper – just by putting them – Moving qualities. Moving qualities. That's it. That's all yeah. they need. Yeah. So that's what they need. 100%. And that's so overlooked. You know, they'll pay you $100 an hour, but they won't pay us $100 a month. Mm-hmm. You know? It's hard to because sometimes it takes an injury to be like, oh, I should have. Which – which is and it's the worst thing. Yeah. It's the worst thing because I was I was yeah. once in that situation, right? right. I was once there. I was I was and in I was college. I was in college. I'm playing baseball. I never worried about a damn thing. Well, not worried about a damn thing. Majority of our guys come to us because of an injury, and that's and, we're and really good. We wish we came here come here sooner, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And our, like, or we're rehabbing guys' injuries, or like they, you know, they're on the cusp of getting injured, and they say, "Hey, we got to shut you down." And then a parent argues with us. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we can't do that. He's got to throw in this showcase. Right. Like, there's a specific. Well, there's your there, there's your biggest problem, right? yeah. and that's and that's like that. That's where the 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 ego comes into play, and it's like you have no idea what you're talking about. One, yeah. right? Yep. You could come in here and you could blow smoke up me as much, but you went to school for it. Mm-hmm. How am I not going to listen to somebody that has went to school for it? One, right. two, has busted his ass for the past fifteen years. To try to figure out the right way to go about it, right, and, and figure out the, the the science behind it, right, the, the, the figure out the throwing, figure out when to do things the right way. Fifteen years worth of that, you got guys in here, you got a board full of uh, full of names, right? That at the end of the day believe in what you do. Professional guys are still, but they're making a ton of money, but you're not willing to pay a hundred bucks. And it's not just him. I'm talking about everybody out there that's trying to do the right thing for people. Right. Where is that? Like, uh, why do people, but people go get sold on on uh, Jimmy number seven because Jimmy number seven is telling him, oh, don't worry. I'm going to take care of your kid in three weeks. You're going to see that he's going to be throwing X amount of miles per hour. Don't you worry. I'm going to take care of him. Yeah, and you're going to go off and you're going to pay the $125 where you see it all the time per session for the eight weeks, yada, yada, yada. Then the kid goes and pitches for a couple of games. Next thing you know, he's injured. And now he's coming over here to DJ because DJ's the therapist that that has fixed everybody when they get injured. But at the end of the day, you pay Jimmy number seven instead of coming in here and spending that 125 for the past eight months. <laughs> to instead of your kid being one of the best pitchers out there, healthy the right way. No, you're in that position where now I gotta go do therapy with X, Y, and Z because at the end of the day, you weren't willing to listen to what's actually going on, right? 
And that's what I was a fault at that. And it's not because of anything else but lack of knowledge. And people don't understand that it's lack of knowledge. And once they get the knowledge, then they'll start seeing the bigger picture. And the people that have been around sports are the only people that can be like, they have a point. Yep. And, right? and, and that's, we can only control what we can control, right? Mm-hmm. Like tonight we have a parents meeting. Mm-hmm. 100 people might be here, right? Yep. With, with all but who's going to listen? Right? Maybe maybe 20 of them? No, but the fact mm-hmm. that we're able to get the in front of 100 parents tonight, yeah. right? And then hopefully they tell their friends about, hey, like, this is that pamphlet yep. packet that we made, right? Of all this great information that we're covering today. Like, hey, like, take a look at this. Like, hopefully that word spreads, right? Yes, yeah. yes, and that's and that's and I think that's the biggest thing that we, we we've talked about is like, how do we get it out there? And this is a, this is a starting point, right? But I think at a certain point, I think we take this to you, Triple Yeah. We take this to Perfect Game. We take this to every single uh, company out there that's doing all this stuff with the youth, because at the end of the day, you know, my biggest problem with all these all these companies, they don't care about pitch count. They don't care about uh, making sure that kids get properly taken care of and i think that's one aspect that needs to be challenged within all these uh, all these big time big time uh recruiting companies yeah they, they don't pay attention to any of this stuff and i think that has to be a part of the process yep. because are we here for the kids or are we here for you to get the 500 bucks that we're paying to to go into the tournament right and i think that's where where the game has to change we got to change that aspect and we got to approach this in, in a way where it's like if you're gonna win you're going to win our way. You're going to win the, the way that's going to prepare these kids to actually progress into really good baseball players, right? Because it's, the game is only getting harder. It starts within organizations, too. Not, yeah. You know, you can't blame a perfect game or you triple say, right? Because they're just putting on an event. Yeah, they're putting on an event. But and it's, I get the, it's the, it's the, the team out of Idaho where they've been inside all year, right? And then they go and play max effort games in, in – Arizona yeah. in February, mm-hmm. right? Like, what did they do to get to that point? Were they throwing pens to the side? Were they doing mm-hmm. build-ups? Were they doing, right? And that's where I think we could help too, where it's like, hey, we can help program for you guys. We yeah. can help, we can help, you know, and I think that's, design that's, a program yeah. that will get you to that point where you're mm-hmm. in cold weather or you're in, you're in California, you're in Texas, you're in Florida, you know, you're playing year round. So like, let's control it. Right. Let's try to, ways and I think, and, and I think this, then. that's a great point. You know, I just, I, I get frustrated on my side of things of, of seeing the things that I've seen, you know, just being in this for the past year and a half, two years, I get frustrated at that fact that it's okay for people. And I know you, there's only so much you can control yeah. and, and, and that aspect of it, I understand. So trying to beat the system by, by, and, and that other standpoint of starting to get people, Hey, look, this is what we have. This is what we can do. This is how we can provide for you, you know, and, and be with be in the mix of all these kids, you know, and I think that's the other conversation we've had is like, I want to be able to go watch all these kids play so I can write notes and be like, he needs a little bit more of this or he needs yes. a little bit more of that and be able to create something for them within the program that's going to benefit and them. When they get their parents here. tangibles yeah. of saying yeah. is, where they need to be needs this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's what our goal is with yeah. the aces. Yeah. And, and that's where we're, we're eventually going to get to. And, and I know that we're going to get to because people People are starting to hear the word, and at the end of the day, it's 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 coming down to this aspect. It's like if you want to be elite, right? Where you want your kid to be elite, he has to be willing to put in the time and the effort for this. This is what we're going to be able to provide. This is how we're going to go about it. Now let's look down the down ten years down the road, like you created in Colorado, right? We yeah. talked about it. It's like there's been so many more kids coming out of Colorado because at the end of the day, they might have been trained a different way. They might have had an, a, a piece of the puzzle, oh, yeah. right? It might have been two or three years yep. that they've got it. Imagine that they have 10, yep. right? 10 years going into a certain position in your life where you, you're going to create some type of success. Sticking with it. And sticking with it, right? And just and just b- believing in it and making those adjustments because at the end of the day, you're going to make adjustments like anything else. We're all going to be, we're all willing to make the adjustment for the better good in that standpoint, right? And we're going to keep working on whatever it is that we need to work on, but with the foundation of understanding that, hey, this is working. Yep. And it's not working just for this type of person, but it's working for everybody because at the end of the day, you specialize in each individual. You don't specialize on one specific workout. You look at what you have. This is what you have as an individual. You need to go fix this, and we're going to start here, and we're going to go within the progression, and it's not going to take one month. It's going to take a couple of years yep. for you to get to a certain point. And once you get to a certain point, then we're going to move on to the next point and keep building off of that. You know, So I think that's that, that's where – where I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to get rolling with it. And I'm excited to start having parents really see the bigger picture and, and getting kids in here that want to be a part of it. As bad as it sounds, too, 
the parents are the ones who write the checks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The more they know, the more they're going to want to pay. The more they want to pay. Yeah. This is for not just for our organizations. This isn't just for a push or an aces or whoever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The more we can educate parents and the more we can help the kids, mm-hmm. the more successful everybody's going to be, not just yes. the kid. Yes. You know what I mean? So cool. Well, I got to go pick up my, my kids from school. <laughs> Let's go. And then come back here for another parent meeting. So fantastic. All right. Appreciate it, Paco. You go. You got it, guys. Appreciate you, man.